0: The Paul Kuharski Podcast is brought to you by Yazoo Brewing Company, a Nashville original since 2003. Welcome into to the Paul Kuharski Podcast. Pleased to have another chance to talk to you. Brought to you as always by Yazoo Brew. They've got something for everybody. I'm looking at their website right now. Gerst Amber Ale, Sue Pale Ale, Dos Peros, a favorite of my wife's, of Vaisen, my favorite, Sly Rye, Hop Perfect IPA, Pilsner. Boom. If you don't find something you like on that menu, you're not a beer person, I dare say. Check them out. They're a great sponsor for me, uh, and they're a great thing to have in your refrigerator or to order uh, when you're out having a beer or having dinner. We appreciate Yazoo Brew. Here to talk about the Titans heading into this Atlanta game, uh, trip to Atlanta. Anxious to see Mercedes-Benz Stadium, one of the two shining new jewels that uh, I'm most curious about. Uh, along with Minnesota, which I haven't seen, interestingly enough. Two cities I've been in uh, on Radio Row for Super Bowls lately, but uh, haven't been in the, in the buildings yet. So uh, eager to see a game in a city that's not one of my favorites. They've um, got a big sneeze coming here, so you'll bear with me when we get to that. One of the things I wanted to talk about this week, um, Greg Cosell said on the midday 180 this week, talking about the Titans' pass protection problems, 17 sacks given up in two weeks, a much higher rate than uh, the Titans were giving up when Ken Wisenhunt got fired um, over protection issues. And um, Mike Vrabel's not getting fired anytime soon over over anything, but it's always interesting to look at at these kind of numbers. And see where uh, you know where the Titans' priorities are and uh, are haven't been how ineffective they've been at um, meeting what should be their priority, which is keeping Marcus Mariota upright, healthy, uh, and giving him the best chance that they can. Um, but he was um, he was he's been sacked seventeen times in these first three games they've, they've got to do a lot better. And Cosell said, when your O-line is bad, it's like when your starting pitching is bad in baseball, it can make your whole team look bad. And I certainly think, um, that's the case. The whole team looks bad right now in a big way. Um, and a lot of other elements of the team are bad. Um, so they've, they've got a lot to work on. Um, in a lot of departments, but it starts there. And I think, um, you know, all indications are we're going to see uh, Nate Davis starting at right guard. Um, by the time you hear this, if that's after Friday afternoon, we might have already been told it definitively, but uh, every, every indication Mike Vrabel's given is that, Nate Davis is being prepared to to play in this game, and when he says play, I don't think he's talking like, "Hey, we're going to slide him in there for after Jamil Douglas starts." Um, it's th- that they're going to start the third round draft pick out of out of Charlotte, um, who's you know now maybe caught up. You're never going to get those training camp snaps back, but um, you know he's he missed about three weeks in camp, and he's been back now for at least three weeks. And they've got to find an alternative over there because Douglas, uh, at both the guard spots, which they tried to fix in the offseason by getting Roger Saffold in as a free agent um, and and by drafting Davis, uh, have been problems. And um, they've got to make it through one more game without Taylor LeJuan. And two and two is obviously a hell of a lot better than one and three. I I, I actually find some causes for hope here. Though the best way to win this game is to abuse Atlanta's offensive line which has problems of its own and uh the titans front by itself hasn't shown the capacity for that uh we need to see some of those exotic pressures that mike frable and dean peas have drawn up that we haven't seen so much this year particularly from the linebackers we need to see the linebackers and the secondary involved in that sort of thing on sunday in atlanta want to move on to Corey Davis. Um, you know, Lots and lots to talk about Marcus Mariota this year. Ooh, I, I'm on the side that we know what he is after four years. We know what he is in year five. He can be a better version of, of what we've seen, but uh, he's not going to explode in a way that's uh, some sort of revelation. Um, and he's certainly capable of good games. He had some very good games last year. He hasn't been close to one of those yet. Um, though he played very effective winning football on opening day in Cleveland, going into year three, though, we still somehow don't know what Corey Davis is, or they don't, or they don't want to know because they're, they're not paying him much attention. Um, he's a guy this year that's getting four targets a game. Um, and he's also the guy to whom Mariota has been the least accurate. Um, so that's 12 targets, six completions um you know there may be a drop in there but really it's been more a matter of uh, a, a severe lack of chemistry between the two of them which is uh you know it's an issue and blake bettingfield tells us all the time at paul and uh, on the midday 180 that marcus is going to go to the guys that he trusts and you know Um, I'm not saying he doesn't trust Corey Davis or that it's not salvageable, but he's got more guys that he might grow to trust now with Humphreys on the team, with AJ Brown on the team, um, with Delaney, a longtime guy that he trusts. Um, so something's got to happen there with Corey Davis. And I looked at the numbers and they're a little better than I thought. He was, he had 65 targets in his rookie year. He had 112 targets last year he had 12 targets this year um you know that's not bad. that's an average of 6.3 Hutton and I on the radio have said we want him to get thrown to seven times a game. They're not too far from that. The 12.8 yards per catch is a disappointing thing to me. I want him to be more of a deep threat. he doesn't quite have that that kind of speed and that's something the Titans are lacking, which is a problem for them because they don't threaten deep. Which helps people condense their defenses. Um, and obviously, that doesn't help gain Derrick Henry any room, doesn't help gain um, Delaney Walker and Adam Humphreys, that underneath game, any room. Um, so you just have to find the right place for Corey Davis. He was drafted fifth he should look more like a guy who was drafted fifth. And I don't know if it's as much on him as it is on them. We're having the same conversation about him that we're having about Marcus Mariota at the same stage of his career. How much is on him? Is he assertive enough? Those kind of things. But how much is on them? All these offensive coordinators. We don't have the injury element with him the way we did with with Marcus. But you really would hope that they would look across the field at this game, at Julio Jones, the sixth pick in the 2011 draft, and see what you can make uh, of somebody in that pick. And then Chad Withrow and I were talking about it this week, and I'm sure we're going to have this conversation more and more. You start to get into this loop. We've avoided this loop since floyd reese jeff fisher we've we've avoided this loop to a degree because it's all it's often been clear the player's not been good enough so it's been an upstairs problem um or the player's not been coached well enough and it's been a downstairs problem but i I think we're now at a time where we're in this loop a little bit where you look at somebody like Corey davis and you say Did John Robinson not identify the right caliber of talent for the fifth overall pick in the draft? Or did Terry Rubisky, and I'm forgetting who the wide receiver coach was. I'll look that up before we're done here. Did Terry Rubisky and his wide receivers coach and Mike Malarkey, is is Mike uh, Vrabel, and uh, Sean Jefferson, I guess it would have been, right? Um, And are Mike Vrabel and um, Matt LaFleur and Art Smith and Rob Moore failing to develop a talent that was given to them? Is Marcus Mariota failing uh, to help develop Corey Davis? You know, and you're getting a chicken and an egg in terms of drafting and developing and whose fault it is with Corey davis but there's there there's got to be more from him and if there's not more from him then you really blew well, a fifth pick in the draft and for a team that's had receiver problems forever and ever to finally go get a big good looking receiver fifth overall and not get more than they're they're letting themselves get from him now or that he's giving them now it's uh it's a problem. We don't know the root cause of the problem. If he's not that good, I'm not willing to go there yet. Or if it's a failure in usage, I'm leaning in that direction right now. Mike Vrabel's gotten off to a bad start this year. Last two games have not been uh two that you'd put high on his resume of what nineteen games that he's been head coach of so far. Um I was kind of curious, and this isn't something that you could very effectively dig at, because the the resources that he uses in this these kind of circumstances aren't going to talk to me about it. Um, but I, I, I tried to get him talking a little bit about people he uses as a resource at this time. And, you know, he always says, I've got to coach better, is the first thing he says when he's talking about struggling. Um, and so I wonder, well, when you're saying you've got a coach better, who do you go to to kind of talk about what you might be doing wrong or what you should be doing different or stuff like that? So he said he talks to some current coaches, he talks to some former coaches, uh, he talks to his dad, who is his uh, you know, primary motivation to go into coaching from from uh you know childhood even. And he leans a lot on Dean Pease. You know his defensive coordinator, his good friend, the guy he played for in New England for a long time, and so he's got uh, he's got a resource right you know right around the corner uh, from his own office. But uh, I'd be curious. I wonder if you know one of those current coaches is now Bill Belichick. Um, you know he knows Andy Reid also. Um, you know bill cower um but it'd be interesting to know what kind of uh what kind of questions and question and answer sessions what kind of conversations he might have with those guys when he looks back at the coaching performance that he's had in terms of getting his team ready and in terms of executing in the moment um from losses to the colts at nissan stadium and to uh the Jaguars in Jacksonville, that one more disappointing based on the level of the competition and based on the, the level of loss only scoring seven, seven points down there. One of the things that Vrabel said in um, training camp, I, I was looking at Lawan getting ready to leave for his suspension, Taylor Lawan, and uh, Delaney Walker, obviously brings a quite a bit of personal energy to, uh, the Titans, but I, I was looking for beyond those two on offense on days when they were maybe getting their butts kicked by the defense, where Vrabel expected the energy to come from, um, for the offense, for the Titans offense. And I, I was talking with him about, about that. And he was saying the energy doesn't come from a guy it comes from making a play you make a play and everybody's energized you make a play and it can change the whole tenor of things well against the colts guess what they didn't really make the play that they needed and against the jags they sure as hell couldn't find the play they found a couple plays but they certainly weren't game-turning plays they weren't a Dory Jackson muffing the punt at the seven yard line kind of plays. They gave one of those away, but they didn't get one. And that's what they, they needed. And so I've circled back to that question. You, you need that play and you can't find it. Who are you looking to? And there's no clear answer on this offense. And I think that's a little bit of the problem with this team, that after Delaney Walker, who, by the way, only played 58% of the snaps in Jacksonville, maybe it's on a short week, because now on a long week, he didn't practice on Wednesday, didn't practice on Thursdays listed with a knee injury. So, you know, there's something going on there. I think there's something bigger going on with Delaney, um, and we don't know exactly what that is. And we may never know because stuff like that's not going to come out and be at the forefront of, of the conversation. Um, but who's the guy. And, and the answer is sadly for them, there's really, uh, I don't think there's a guy to me, the next guy would be AJ Brown. He's kind of got that personality, but he's a rookie right now. And so he, he's not in a position to go be the guy that fires up the team that calls people out that um that gets things done in that way so i'm pulling up the depth chart here on my computer i mean and we did this exercise a little bit on on the midday winning i mean cory davis has some fire to it but I, I, he's he's a very quiet guy dennis kelly roger saffold ben jones Jameel Douglas or Kevin Palmfield or, or Nate Davis, Jack Conklin. I mean, Adam Humphreys potentially has the the pelts, but he doesn't necessarily have that personality. He's another low-key guy. Tajay Sharp, hell no. Marcus Mariota, no. Derrick Henry, n- no way. You look at, at, at guys not in the starting lineup who are going to be out there. Dion Lewis, I mean, you have to be performing to some level. And he doesn't have the personality. A.J. Brown, I mentioned, you know, he might be the next guy in line, but he's got to get some experience. Janu Smith, probably not. Darius Jennings, there isn't a guy on this offense after those two guys we're talking about in Walker and in Lawan, who hasn't been around and won't be around until Monday, who can go around. And then even Walker, you know, in the comments that were pretty popular from this week said, You know, it's not the same kind of league it was when I came in in 2006 where you maybe could go around and stir some things up, get in people's faces. I think that's part of the problem of the roster construction here. Nobody's playing up to their talent level, really. There are very few guys that are. I mean, you know, I think some guys in the secondary are. And and I think on defense, they don't have this problem. There's a lot of guys that uh, you would look at and say, You know, Cameron Wake's got that kind of personality if he needs to. Rashawn Evans is growing up that way. Logan Ryan certainly has it. Kenny Vaccaro certainly has it. Kevin Byard and Malcolm Butler certainly have it. It's a secondary loaded with guys who have it. Wesley Woodyard has it if he needs it, right? Maybe not wearing it on his sleeve, but he has it. I think there's a roster construct uh, thing there. Um. I guess it traces back to me saying that they need a an asshole in the locker room or more, and not not these guys I'm listing out aren't aren't that, but they have a little bit of that in them at the necessary time, uh, and it's a, it's a it's a piece of the way that they're capable of leading. And on offense, just don't see much of it beyond those two guys, uh, one of whom's been suspended and one of whom's getting old. Energy comes from a play, Vrabel says. Well, what happens when the play doesn't show up? A word about penalties. Titans have committed 20 penalties in three games, and it's one of the reasons they keep stalling on offense in particular, right? they penalties, sacks, plays for uh, a loss. Keep setting them back, keep winding up and first and long, second and long third and long it's no way to live they're drawing 6.7 penalties a game it's still 10th in the league and it's only two penalties per game off carolina's 4.7 which is best in the league still could kill two drives with those two penalties last year they were the best in the league 5.1 per game they feel more killer, obviously, when you're losing two out of three games. And I don't think – it just seems to me it's like something they expected would carry over from last year. Like, hey, we're a disciplined team and we'll be a disciplined team. I know that it's not as if Rabel stopped talking about it. Attention to this sort of detail um, and being a disciplined team is something that's very important to him that I'm sure he continued to harp on, but it's gotta be hugely disappointing to him that they just uh, stopped doing it to the same degree. They did it to last year. And that's problematical for them, especially when you're playing bad football and you look like a bad football team. It's part of what makes you a bad football team. It's one of the first spots you have to clean up. Um, they have to be sounder. They have to be more fundamental. Those are kind of some of the themes that they're talking about. Well, as you try to be sounder and as you try to be more fundamental penalty cleanup is at the start of that. But you know what, if you're Jamil Douglas, and I don't know how many penalties he's committed, but as an example, and, and the guy across from you is beating you, you're better off committing a penalty uh, and holding somebody. Um, then you are getting beat, letting your quarterback get hit. So you know, some of them are like that. Some of them are procedural. That's a problem. Um, you know when when you're lining up wrong, that's a problem. when, um, you know, when the holding conference call to lighten the holding calls around the league comes, before week two i mean before week three but before every game in week three except your game which is played on thursday night that's not really favorable either that's kind of a real titan-esque kind of thing hey thanks for having the conference call on saturday night we played thursday what do you do there they have to play cleaner they have to play cleaner Two final notes, statistical things. Delaney Walker, who we've talked about plenty here, is six catches away from Frank Wycheck's 505 catches. One catch will be his 500th, and he will become the 16th tight end in history with 500 catches. Pretty impressive. Pretty impressive. And pretty cool that the Titans will have had two of those guys in the Tennessee era, Wycheck came from Houston, obviously, but the uh, bulk of his time was in Tennessee. Uh, and you wonder why this is a tight end-based team so much? Well, look at the talent. To a degree, I'd say look at the talent. Finally, Falcons are 4-11 and 11 when averaging less than 5 yards per carry since the start of the 2018 season that's the fifth worst record under those circumstances in the league that's pretty crazy if you think about it that's a big number right four and 11 when averaging under five yards per carry five yards per carry is pretty damn big average I had this uh, spreadsheet open in front of me and my Adobe has uh, closed down on my behalf. So I'm going to go find uh, what that looks like, because that is a giant number to me, five yards per rush. So 15 times they haven't got there. That's pretty impressive that they've gotten there as often as they've gotten there. Right. I, uh, I would think that the Titans would be able to hold them under that. Wouldn't you? And if they do, that bodes well for the Tennessee Titans. I, I'm not one to have feelings on many games, but I do think that this team is good enough to um, slow things down in a way where they're not going to give up five yards of carry. Um And I'm not finding this file, so I don't know what they're giving up right now. I apologize. Five yards of carry is a lot. You got to give up some big explosive plays, and the Falcons are really keyed by big explosive plays. You would think most of them are coming from that great receiving core, you know, Ridley and Sanu, and first above them, Julio Jones. But uh, you you can't be giving them up out of the backfield. Hold them under five yards of carry, that keys things. Jarrell Casey's got to get back to being himself. I know he's drawn double teams. He draws double teams all the time. He's done a lot of damage against double teams. This offensive line in Atlanta has a lot of the same kind of questions that the Titans have about their offensive line. And the Titans have to make them pay for it the way they've been paying for their own offensive line struggles. Simple as that. They need desperately to come home two and two and not one and three. Are they going to spend the whole season – Digging out of it, digging out of it, digging out of it. Try to get back to respectability and then to playoff fight. And we've talked about this over and over and over. When you spend your season digging like that, clawing, takes a lot out of you. You got to be playing from even. You got to be playing from ahead. Just like in in a game. Got to get to two and two. Falcons... You know, feeling the same way about the Titans. The Titans are feeling about the Falcons. I hope you get the game you're looking for this weekend. I hope if you're uh, at a bar, at a tailgate, on your couch, that you'll uh, you'll pick up a a Yazoo. Keep a six-pack. Get a six-pack. Put it in your fridge. Take a six-pack to your buddy's house. Throw a six-pack in the cooler for the tailgate for the party and uh treat them right they're a great sponsor of mine i'm most appreciative check out everything at Paulkuharski.com. i appreciate you listening i uh, uh if you're not a member you're missing out so uh come aboard join the train we've got a great great thing going on there with a a great community of members um and it's, it's a lot of fun look forward to having you be part of it thanks everybody i'll see you at the site the Paul Kaharski Podcast is a joint production of paulkaharski.com and Vocal. For more information and more programming, please visit vocalnow.com. That's v-o-k-a-l now.com.